You know, for some folks, uh, the favorite part of the sermon is the conclusion. <laughs> Someone has said that every good sermon has a good introduction and a good conclusion, and they're close together. <laughs> uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, I've called it the greatest sermon ever preached because it was preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived. The greatest preacher who has ever preached. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we come to Matthew chapter 7 and we're going to uh, get to verses 13 and 14. The structure of the verses begins to change. The message has moved from knowledge that we need to know to Jesus leading his hearers to action. We've heard the truth, and now it's time for action. We've heard the sermon, but the sermon is not over when the sermon is finished. The sermon must be applied. The last few days of Moses' life, he preached to the nation of Israel. And, and in that message, he preached about life and death. Uh, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. What will you choose? What, which direction will you go? It all depends on what you do with the sermon. God has told us how to be in the kingdom of God. Jesus has taught us how we can live radically different lives than those that are living around us. We can be radical disciples of Jesus Christ. But what is more than than about a head knowledge. It is more than just facts. It is a change in what we believe and how we behave. You see, Christianity is not just a belief system. It's a lifestyle. Uh, for us uh, today, let's all stand together for the reading of the word of God. As we look at Matthew chapter 7 and starting at verse number 13. This is the part Jesus begins uh, a series of contrasts, and the first one of his contrasts is, is between two gates. He begins with an imperative, a command. He says, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. Thank you, Lord, for this sermon. Thank you, Lord, for your Savior, our Savior, dear Lord, that you have sent to, to, to preach this sermon. You sent him to live and to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Dear Lord, help us to open up our eyes and examine ourselves to find out which road we are on. Which path we are on? Where is the path that we're on leading us? Dear Lord, that we would make that, that personal examination of our, of our own selves 
And at the end of the day, dear Lord, I pray, dear Lord, that we find ourselves that we're on the wrong road, that we will turn around and get on the right road and go in the other direction. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Thank you for the worship service this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. July 17, 1938, there was a pilot named Douglas Corrigan. He took off from Floyd Bent Field in Brooklyn, New York. He had with him two chocolate bars, two boxes of big bars, a quart of water, and a map from New York to Long Beach, California, clearly marked out. His goal was to fly from New York to California. Mr. Corrigan took off on that foggy morning and was soon in the clouds and out of sight. 28 hours later, he landed, but not in California. He landed in Dublin, Ireland. He became a national hero because people said you couldn't fly that far. He, he not only became a national hero, but he gained a new nickname. Wrong Way Corrigan. <laughs> In fact, the New York Times, the New York Post, printed the headline, Hail Wrong Way Corrigan, backwards on the headline of their newspaper. Jesus is speaking to a crowd who have heard his teaching, and they are considering what they should do. And he said to them, some of you are going in the wrong direction. I wonder if he would say that about you today, that you are heading in the wrong direction. Jesus is winding down his sermon. There may have been some wives there that were elbowing their husband. It's time to go. They are putting on their coats and asking, where are we going to eat lunch today? The sermon is almost over, but if they stop listening here, they may have missed the most important part of the sermon. Because all of us are either going the right way or we're going the wrong way. Would you call me your enemy because I tell you the truth? If you're not on the road to Jesus, if you haven't gone through that narrow gate, if you haven't gone personally through that gate, Am I your enemy because I tell you you're going the wrong way? Jesus said there's two gates. You choose which gate you go through. And, it, and that determines where you will spend your eternity. I made that choice many years ago. I, I didn't make that choice because I was intelligent. I didn't make that choice because my parents were saved. I made that choice because the Holy Spirit convicted me of my need of Jesus. Amen. And that Jesus was the only way, and I chose Jesus. Amen. It's a choice you make. You choose which gate you go through. I want us to look at what Jesus said. He is beginning a series of contrasts. From here to the end of the sermon, he talks about two gates. He talks about two trees. He talks about two houses. And we will look at them during the next few weeks. But today, let's focus on the two gates. Jesus brings our attention to that, that, there, that, to, that, that there were two crowds. 
It's interesting how that Jesus classified people. Jesus, uh, Jesus did classify people, uh, but he did it differently. We classify people today uh, according to the color of their skin, their ethnic background, their nationality, their social status, by education. We have all these earthly, uh, worldly uh, standards which we classify people. Do you understand that Jesus is not impressed with our classifications? Jesus does not classify people the way we do. He doesn't look at people and say they are white or they're black, they're red and they're yellow. He doesn't look at them and say they're poor and they're rich. Uh, he doesn't look at them and say they're educated and they're not educated. When Jesus looks at people, he sees people who are saved and people who are lost. Everyone here is in one of those two categories right now. You're either on the narrow road which leads to life or you're on the broad road that leads to destruction. And you are where you are because of the decisions you've made. If you're on the broad road that leads to destruction, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to you, you can change roads. You can go through the narrow gate. Jesus talked about two classes of people. First, he talked about those who have rejected Christ. Notice how, how Jesus said that there were many that go through the broad way that leads to destruction. This implies that most people are on that broad road that leads to destruction because he says many. When he talks about those being saved, he uses the word few. Amen. So it seems to imply that Jesus is saying that a large part of the world is on the broad road that leads to destruction. Let me ask you this question. What kind of people are those? What kind of people are on the broad road to destruction? I would suggest to you, first of all, that there are depraved people on the broad road to destruction. Pleasure seekers are on the broad road to destruction. Those who get uh, up every day looking for a thrill, they're seeking pleasure. They're, they're separated from God. Their whole life is seeking pleasure for themselves. Ephesians 2.2 says, We're in a time past, talking about their past life. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. They are living for the desires of the flesh and the mind. They are depraved people on this road. People who have Satan as their God. People whose main goal in life is one pleasure after another. We are probably not surprised that depraved people are on the broad road to destruction. We understand that. We got that. That's easy to understand. Depraved people go to hell. Depraved people are on the road that leads to destruction. But here's what might surprise you. There are some decent people on the broad road that leads to destruction. Some people who are our next door neighbors. Some people who we would trust our lives in. People who would, we would point to and say, this is what a good neighbor is. They're everything you would want in a good neighbor. They would never rob a bank. They would never steal from you. They would never lie about you. They would never hurt you in any way. And yet the Bible says they are on the broad way that leads to destruction. 
Because you don't get on that road, the narrow way, the good road, from good behavior. You get on that road through Jesus. I suppose this is one of the greatest tragedies, especially here in the United States, where we have so many uh, quote-unquote Christian churches. People have done their religious things. They have been involved with religion all their life. And they think that somehow they will get them into on the narrow road. But I'm saying to you today that decent people go to hell. Let me tell you the kind of person that doesn't go to hell. A saved person. That person cannot go to hell. Good people go to hell. Decent people go to hell. Church people go to hell. Religious people go to hell. Only people who have been washed by the blood of Jesus, only they will not go to hell. There are depraved people, and there are decent people, and then there are deceived people on the road that leads to destruction. Satan is the great deceiver. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, says, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In fact, Satan is busy right now while I'm preaching this sermon. Satan is saying to you, he's whispering in your ear, all of this is a bunch of nothing. You don't have to pay attention to this because you're a good person. You're a religious person. You've been baptized. You've put an offering in an offering plate. You've sung the songs. You have attended Sunday school. You have been deceived into thinking that all of your religious activity is going to cover your sin. Let me be quite clear. There's no human action that can cover your sin. Only the blood of Jesus can cover our sins. Don't let Satan deceive you today because you've done some religious things in the past that you must be okay. If Jesus said to one of the most religious people of his day, you must be born again, let me tell you that Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. I can't tell you how many times I've seen or heard of, of a church member that got saved. It happened to me. And it might be the situation that you're in. Tell you what I what I had thought it's going to be kind of embarrassing. What I found was that people were overjoyed with happiness. I think it's possible that some of you today, here in this service, and our members of this church, may be thinking, "Did I really get saved?" I remember being baptized, but I don't remember confessing my sins and putting my faith in Jesus alone with payment for sin. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart today about this subject. I hope you'll listen to that spirit and do what you need to do. Don't be one of the deceived. You must be born again. You've got to be saved no matter, no, no amount of religious activity will, can substitute that. It's a broad road that leads to destruction. Satan has made sure that this road is wide and many are walking down it. But if you stay on that road, it will lead you to hell. Then Jesus talked about someone else. He talked about those that he referred to as the few. 
The few are those who are truly saved. Let me tell you, I don't know who are truly saved today. I can't look in your eyes and tell if you're saved. The apostle had one, uh, the, the apostles had one going around, going along with them, around them, that they didn't have a clue he wasn't saved. Judas, I, I don't know whether you're truly saved or not. I don't know if you're one of the many or you're one of the few. But I want you to be sure that you understand that Jesus knows which one you are. Jesus knows right now if you're on the broad road that's leading to destruction or you're on the narrow road that leads to life. Jesus knows. And listen, you're not going to pull the wool over his eyes. You're not going to talk your way in or talk your way out uh, 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 when you face Jesus. You're not going to trick your way in. He knows. Jesus knows the condition of your heart. He knows if you're playing Christianity. He knows if you're playing church. He knows if you have genuinely repented and put your faith in Christ. Our Lord knows. Jesus said there are few that are truly saved. There are few compared to the many that are on the broad road that leads to destruction. There are not only two classes, the few and the many, but there are two choices, and the Lord mentions them as well. Notice in verse number 13, enter ye. By the way, that's an imperative verb. It, it, it is a verb of command. The Lord is commanding those that will listen to him that then, and he is commanding us today to enter in. He's telling us that a decision must be made. We are the sum total of our decisions. We are who we are because of the decisions we have made. We are where we are because of the decisions we have made. It can be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. It depends on whether we make good decisions or bad decisions. You make good and godly decisions, it's a good thing. Let me explain this. You're on the broad way that leads to destruction or you're on the narrow way that leads to life because of the decision that you have made. No one put you there. No one tricked you. No one made you go there. You are there because of a decision that you've made. Notice that there were not only two crowds, but there were two courses. There was a broad way and there was a narrow way. The broad way is the easy way. He said, many there be which go in thereat. This broad way implies that there is no restrictions there. Let me explain what, what it would be like to be there on Broad Street. I, I, I try to, I'll try to describe what it would look like if you were on Broad Street and that leads to destruction. There are atheists there, but, but they're not the kind that don't believe in promoting their religion. Don't, don't believe that atheists don't have a religion. Atheism is a religion. There are atheists on the Broad Street to destruction. There are some, some on the broad road that are theistic evolutionists. They believe that there is a God who started everything and then stepped back and let evolution do its thing. Things just evolve and here we are. They don't have an explanation why we're not still evolving, but anyway, uh, so God started it and evolution took over and here we are. That's theistic evolution. There are a lot of 
theistic evolutionists on the road to destruction. There are a lot of pluralists on the road to, to destruction. The pluralist says your religion might be right for might might be right and it might be wrong. My religion might be right or it might be wrong. But I respect my religion and I respect your religion. You believe what you want to believe and I'll believe what I want to believe. Uh, we'll just stay out of each other's way. Uh, we, we do what we want to do. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. Uh, because after all, we all know that we're all ch children of God. The Bible doesn't say that. So, and so the broad road to destruction, you can do whatever you want to do. You want to do what is right in your own eyes, you can do it. This is the broad road to destruction. You don't need any law enforcement on the broad road to destruction because anything goes. You don't need to uh, anybody to point out where you are wrong because there are no rules. There are no laws. This is the broad road to destruction. You can do what you want to do. You can live any way you want to live. You can think whatever you want to think. Because the broad road that leads to destruction, no one will say what you are going to do when you, when you, when you face judgment. Because everyone on the broad road thinks that there's no such thing as a judgment. On the broad road to destruction, you can believe what you want to believe, behave however you want to behave, do what you want to do, and everything's fine. This is the broad road to destruction. There are no restrictions. Can you imagine a parent raising a kid that way? Oh, we're not going to have restrictions on our kids. If they want to take a bath, they can take a bath. If they want to go to school, they can go to school. And if they don't, they don't. We're not going to make them go to church. You know how that warps kids, making them go to church. So we're not going to do that. We're on the broad road to destruction, and we just live the way we want to live, and everything is wonderful. There's no restrictions on the broad road to destruction. There are no requirements. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Proverbs 14 and 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I need to tell you today that you may be on the broad way that leads to destruction and, and think, I like living without restrictions. I like living without requirements. It fits my lifestyle. It fits my personality. I'm saying to you that what seems to be right is not necessarily right. In fact, if it doesn't meet the standard of God, it, it doesn't matter how right it feels, it's wrong. If it doesn't meet God's standard, then the Lord talks about the other way. It's the eternal way, the straight way, the narrow way. Have you noticed how people use the word narrow? He's narrow-minded. And they mean that to be a negative thing. It depends upon the context of the way it's used. There are some things you better be narrow-minded about because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. Let me tell you this. There were some things that God and Jesus and Paul and Peter and the church of the, of, of, of the Lord through 2,000 years of church history have been narrow about. Let me tell you what they were narrow about. That there is only one way to go to heaven, and it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
They say that's narrow. That's not pluralistic enough. That's not open-minded enough. Just take that up with Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You may say, well, that's, that's going to cut out my religion. Let me tell you, if your religion is not taking you to Jesus, you need a new religion. That's the kind of religion that will take you to hell. A religion that will not take you to Jesus, to the foot of the cross, by grace, through faith, it will never take you to heaven. You've got to come to Jesus. On the broad road, they figure if your good outweighs the bad, somehow you'll wiggle your way into heaven. On the broad road, we believe that we're all just children of God. But on the straight and narrow road, where there are few, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the door. Look at verse number 14. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. The idea expressed in this phrase is the idea of a turnstile. Have you ever gone to an attraction? You bought your ticket before you get into whatever attraction it is, you, you have to go through a turnstile. You can't go through the turnstile with your mom and your dad. You can't go through there with your, with your, uh, your husband or your wife. You have to go through by yourself. And it's made for one person at a time. When Jesus said straight and narrow, that is the idea. You're going through a turnstile, a gate, and there's only room for one. When we use the phrase personal salvation, this is the reason why. Because nobody is saved as a group. No one can be saved for you. Your parents can't do it for you. Your husband, your wife can't do it for you. Your church can't do it for you. You must do it personally. Salvation is a personal matter, and you have to go through the gate. You have to go through the door. It doesn't matter that your parents went through the gate 30 years ago. That will not count for you. Straight and narrow. There's just one way to enter in, and that's through Jesus. There are some consequences that I want to discuss. There are two crowds, and there are two choices. And he said one leads to destruction, and one leads to life. Notice the destruction. It means spiritual ruin. When you die, when you were on the broad road that leads to destruction, it is spiritual loss. What is spiritual loss? It's an eternity without God. Is that what you want? In Luke chapter 16, there were two men that died. Lazarus was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. He was at peace. He was at rest. And the rich man lifted up his eyes in torments. By the way, he was doing it then, and he's still doing it now, lifting up his eyes in torments. And he said, send Lazarus, that he could dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. 
That is the destruction that Jesus is talking about here. That is the broad road that leads to destruction. Some of your family is on it. Some of your friends are on it. But it leads to destruction and eternal separation from God. An existence where there is no there is spiritual doom forever. An existence where the flames surround you and you are and torment day and night for all eternity. There's only one way to avoid that. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have a ruined life or you can have a redeemed life. Notice it says this narrow way leads to life. But life is Jesus talking about. Jesus, John, John 3.15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, to have Jesus is to have everlasting life. To have Jesus is to have life with purpose and with meaning. It is more than just a life that doesn't end. Do you know that a life, the lost person, when it goes to hell, his life doesn't end? So eternal life has to mean more than just duration. Eternal life has to do with quality of life. And he says, when we have Jesus, we have quality of life that never ends. Because we are in the presence of the Lord Jesus for all of eternity. That's eternal life. It's not just duration, it's location. It's being in the presence of Jesus. I want to ask you today, which road are you on? Are you on the broad road that leads to destruction? Are you on the narrow road that leads to life? I think sometimes religion gets in the way. Let me tell you what I mean. Sometimes we assume somebody must be saved because they've been in a Baptist church all their life. <coughs> Can I tell you something? No one has been in a Baptist church all their life. That comes along somewhere in life. No one is born into the Baptist church. We were in Israel several years ago, and our tour guide in Bethlehem kept telling us that he was a Christian. Some of our group asked him, when did you become a Christian? His reply is much like what other people think about being in a church. He said, I was born a Christian. My parents were Christians, and their parents were Christians. I've always been a Christian. No one has always been a Christian. No one has always been a Baptist. You must make a personal decision to ask God to forgive you of your sins and by faith trust in Jesus as your payment for your sins. You can be born into the family of God. You can be saved today. You may be on the broad road that leads to destruction and God has spoken to you through the message and revealed to you in your heart that you are on the wrong road. When I was younger and I read these verses, I imagined the road that people walk and, and along the way there was a Y in the road. You could just turn on that Y and go down that road. But I want you to know today that these two roads are not in a Y. They were in opposite directions. You have to turn around and go the other way. 
Let me show you how grace works. You may be on the broad road this morning. You've been on that road all of your life. Look at the time that God has given you to find the narrow road. He has given you time to hear about Jesus and to turn around. But no one knows when that time will end. Today, you can get on that narrow road by believing in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone, you are on that narrow road that leads to life. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Jesus is saying, he is the door. You can only come through him. If you come to Jesus today, this morning, as we consider this message, I wonder, what is your situation? Are you one that would say, well, I've been in church all my life, or I uh, was waiting in church for a while, but then I came back? All right. What are you trusting in that you're going to go to heaven? Your history, what you've done, your status, what church you're a member of, your religion, what religion group you're a part of. What are you basing your feeling of being saved in? Or are you basing your salvation on Jesus and Jesus alone. Don't put your faith in your baptism. Don't put, put your faith in your religion. Put your faith in Jesus. Because he's the only way. He's the only door. You're not going to get there in front of God and talk your way through because you've just been a good guy or a good girl. It's not going to work. Which road are you on? Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many are on that road. And narrow is the road that leads to life. Few will find that road. Have you found that road this morning? The Lord spoke into your heart this morning. Do you have any doubts at all? Let's make it right. No, it's not going to be embarrassing. It's not going to be, people are not going to think strange. They're going to be overjoyed with love and for happiness that you have made that decision. You've come to the realization that what you did way back then, whatever it was, you can't hardly remember. It wasn't what you needed to do. Doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or a member of somewhere else or not a member of at all. Examine your life and let's go home today knowing for sure where we're going to go. Amen. That we're on the right road. Amen. Let's make that right today.